0: guys, it's a good day. It is Super Sunday, and it is Super Sunday because we're baptizing a bunch of people, all right? That's why it is Super Sunday. Let's hear it. It's a great day at our Goshen campus for baptizing a bunch of people, and I love that. So be looking forward to that. We've got people joining us from all over the place today, online, Mishawaka, at our Ninja campus. Guys, when we celebrate changed lives, that is what it is all about. That is why we do what we do. So that's what makes it Super Sunday. On top of that, I know you guys, this is a big day, right? We're all excited? It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. And uh, Dan, our sound man, went out in between these uh, last services and he reported that he saw his shadow, so it's uh, six, more, six more weeks of winter. But he also sells snow plows, so I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I choose to believe that spring is around the corner. Is anyone with me? Is anyone with me? Spring is around the corner. Fantastic. Okay. We're on the same page. <laughs> we are going to thrive. Also, there's a football game tonight. Uh, we are going to thrive... <laughs> that is what our series is about today. Who's with me? Who wants to thrive, all right? We're not settling for average. We're not settling for average. It's like in the NFL. When you start the season, nobody says, we want to end up 8-8. Eight and eight. Unless you're a Chicago Bears fan, then you're okay with that. Everybody's trying to get to the big game, right? To the super thing that I'm not allowed to say because of copyright restrictions. Now, everybody wants to thrive we don't want to settle for average and when we talk about the things that matter most when we talk about eternity my relationship with god you guys don't you dare settle for average all right i want to make sure that we are doing everything we can to thrive to be investing our time our talent our treasure and the things that matter most so that we when we take our last breath when we stand before jesus we hear those words well done good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I I, I want my life to thrive. I don't want to dare settle for average. So we are all about talking about developing good habits because good habits change everything. And and a phrase that we're kind of starting with every week throughout the series is this one. It says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. That's where we're camping out. And watch your habits, they become your character. And then finally, watch your character for it becomes your destiny. Our habits play a pivotal role in this process because the habits, the power of habits, it works both ways. Yeah, when you have habits in your life, that begins to speak into your character and your character determines your destiny. But when you develop good habits... The right habits change the way you think. And when you start focusing on hanging out with God, what we talked about in the first week, spending time with Jesus every day, reading God's word, talking to him in prayer, that begins to change the way you think. Changes your words, changes your actions, reinforces those habits, improves your character, changes your destiny. When you say, I'm going to activate my gifts, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines, I'm going to use the gifts and abilities and the passions that God has given me for him and for his glory. That changes you. When you say, hey, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and be stingy. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give everything I've got to invest in eternity and to be a part of what God is doing. That changes everything. I thought Marshall crushed it last week when he talked to us about the importance of investing in relationship. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We've got to be investing intentionally in building relationships that are going to help us draw closer in our relationship with God. These are all principles in how we thrive. Yes, let's get excited about that. This is how we change our character. This is how we change our destiny. This is how we thrive. Today, we're diving into this this principle and this practice that if we put this into place in our lives, I'm telling you, we're living into the mission that God has given each and every one of us. Today, we're focusing on the importance of telling your story, all right? I want to start out by saying this, your story has power, all right? You don't believe me, then believe the person next to you. I want you to look at the person next to you and say to them, your story has power. Would you do that for me right now? Look at the person next to you. Your story has power. This is important today that you believe this, that you own this. If you don't quite believe it yet, turn to that person again. I want you to say this, my story has power. Go ahead and say that, my story has power my story has power now here's the thing we have fun saying that we're chuckling some of us like well I don't know if that's so true Pastor Tim your story has power because it is the story of how you encountered Jesus it is your experience and I want to remind you today that there is no one who can take that experience away from you your story has power God has changed your life you are not who you once were no one can take that away from you. So when people ask you about your faith, when you're able to tell your story, that story has power. And people will listen to your story. I want you to know that's probably the most effective way that we can share people uh, or, or connect people with, with the hope of Jesus. It's by sharing our story. It's effective. People will listen to your story. So there's power there. Your story has power. And I want you to realize that today. I don't know that. My story has power. And when we think about that in the big picture of the, of the reality that our mission is to connect people with Jesus, I want to encourage you today to be intentional about who it is that God is asking you to share your story with. In fact, I would ask you to consider this today. Who in your life needs to hear your story? Would you just stop and consider that for a second? Who has God placed in your friendships, in your circles of influence, in your job, in your neighborhood? Who is it that needs to hear your story? Because your story has power. I believe wholeheartedly, because this is my experience, that when we connect with Jesus, he can change everything in our lives. And no one can take that experience from you. I've shared this before with you, but I'll share it again because this story has power. My my heritage, the Fishers, are not good people, all right? We ran with Frank and Jesse James gang. That was us, all right? I went on Ancestry.com, prison, prison, prison. That's all it said. Not really. I, I've never been on Ancestry. I have no idea if that even is a thing. So I, I was just having fun there. But that would be what it said. It, it didn't end well for all of the people who have gone before me. My grandfather, his name was M.Z. Harold Fisher. Obviously went by Pete instead. Nobody wants to go by M.Z. Uh, I have never heard of anyone else named M.Z. If you know someone, I'd love to hear that later. But yeah, his name was M.Z. Harold Fisher. He got absolutely blindsided by the love of Jesus in his adult years. He gave up everything that he was doing. He was working for DuPont, making a ton of money in the early 50s. Laid it all down to go to Bible college because he believed that God had called him to be a pastor. His whole family turned on him. I don't know any of that side of the family. Never met him. They never wanted to talk to the pastor of the family because that's how crazy that side of the family was. Never met him. He went into ministry, and because he did that, his two sons, Mike and Richard, both became pastors, which is crazy, right? Mike's my dad, and I grew up in the church. Guys, I hated everything about the church growing up. When I turned 18, I will do anything but be a pastor. I moved to Florida. I got out of town. I'm going, yes, I escaped. Here I am. Here I am. You can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> and it's a true story. When we were dating, I said, you know, Dana, I'm getting, you know, I like you. I'm talking about marriage now. And she's like, well, you're not going to be a pastor, are you? No, no. That is, pff, no, pff, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and then I became a pastor like nine months after we got married. So I guess the joke's on her. Uh, <laughs> but you think about how that one choice changed the whole direction of a family for generations to come. There is power in a changed life. There, there is power in your story of how you encounter Jesus. When you realize what my life was before I met Jesus, how he changed me, that moment that happened where I said yes to Jesus, where I said, Jesus, I need you, and to what my life is now. He changes us, He transforms us. And you guys, there's power in your story. No one can take that away from you. And so we have to be intentional about sharing our story. We have to tell it. I think there's a misconception today that we can just live good lives and people will see my light shining in the dark world and just automatically know everything they need to know about how to connect with Jesus. And I think it's a trap we fall into because yes, you need to live that life where God is calling you to become more like you. You set an example. People should be able to look at you and recognize there's something different, right? They should see, hey, I think that guy has something that I need and want to talk to you. But guys, that's not a cop-out. That's not a permission to wimp out and not share the good news and to share your story. In fact, it's just the opposite. Paul really encourages us in Romans chapter 10. And I just want to read these scriptures to you. They're not on the slides, so you have to lean in and, and listen a little bit better, all right? So, but, but think about the power of, of this scripture. Uh, he says in Romans 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is power in that statement. If I declare with my mouth, if I confess, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I recognize that I'm not right. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I need you to fix me. I need to be free. Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need you. You are Lord. If I confess with my mouth, if I declare that, Jesus, you are Lord. If I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that is where salvation begins. You will be saved. Those are powerful words in Romans. It goes on to say, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. It goes on to say, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a powerful promise. Is anybody excited about that good news today? That's life-changing stuff. I go from darkness to light. I go from death to life. But here's what Paul goes on to say in Romans that I think we shy away from too often. He says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. It's our mission to tell our story. The greatest story ever told is the story of God sending Jesus, his own son, to pay the price that we could not pay, to make us right with God. He paid the price that separated us in our sin from him. That's the greatest story ever. It's the greatest love story we'll ever know. And I believe the second greatest story is how I encountered Jesus. Your story has power. You've gotta be ready, always ready to share your story with the people who need that hope of Jesus in their lives. It's the most effective thing we can do in sharing that hope and the good news of what God has done in our lives. And I want you to be intentional. I want you to be thinking about developing this habit in your life where you are always ready to share your story because your story has power. God has given us all this great commission. We are all on a mission. Here at Crossroads, our mission is to connect people with God. We're going to do everything we can. We want every single person to know you are dearly and deeply loved by God. And if you'll just say yes to Jesus, he will change your life. That is great stuff that we celebrate. We want everyone to experience that. And in fact, Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, he has already died on the cross. He rose from the grave. It says in Scripture that for 40 days he walked around the earth, performed more miracles, proving that he had risen from the grave. He went to the mountain. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a powerful statement. He has been given the power of God. He he has done everything that God gave him to do. He has fulfilled his mission. He's laid down his life. He's risen from the grave. All power and authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our mission. It's not just the mission of our church in general, it's not just what we do on Sundays. This is my mission. That's why it's so important to recognize your story has power. That's why it's so important that we step back and realize. My story has power. Jesus wants me to go and tell this story, to share this good news, because it changes everything. And there are people all around us, you guys, who are hurting, who are broken, who are searching for something. And guys, Jesus is the one who brings us hope. Jesus is the one who we, where we find true peace and joy that we're all searching for and we have this hope. We can't hold on to that and ignore everyone around us who's desperate for that hope. We have to be ready to share our story. So I want to ask you this question. And I want you to think about this. When was the last time you told your story? When was the last time you went out of your way to say, "Hey, I want to share with you what God has done in my life." Your story has power. And I want you to think about this this question that I led with today, who in your life needs to hear your story? Because I believe that God, through the Holy Spirit, puts those names and faces immediately in our minds. We know who it is that God's wanting us to share our story with. We know who's desperate for that hope that we have in Jesus. And I want you to be thinking about how you can share your story, about the power that your story has, because that is your experience. No one can take that away from you. And it's a tool that God has given each and every one of us who have accepted Jesus that helps us connect people with him and to fulfill that mission he's given us all. I've invited two friends of mine to come on the stage today and talk about our stories. So I would like for you to give a warm welcome today to Joanna Beasley and to Keith Pidzinski. Can you give them a warm welcome? They have uh, agreed to come up and share their stories with us today. And I'm excited because there is power in their stories. And I think it's good for us just to have conversations and to talk about our stories because it, it helps bring to light the reality that it really is just as simple as having a conversation with someone. Sure. And so I want to thank you for joining me on stage yeah. and, being, and being willing to do this. Um, here's the thing, what I would love to know from each of you is what does that, that look like in your lives where you encountered Jesus for the first time? Uh, when would you say was that first moment in your life? where you encountered Jesus. And Joanna, I'll ask that to you first. Go, tell us, what happened? What was that like for you? What was the amazing moment <laughs> that no one can ever take away from you? That
1: no one can ever take away. You know, I've heard this twice this week that it's important to spend your money on your kids now. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's and, good,
0: good advice. And the
1: reason I'm saying that is because I was really blessed to grow up in a Christian home. My dad and, and grandpa and great grandpa and uncle, and, you know, everyone was pastors in our family. Oh and wow, so that's
0: even more pastors in my family. So I got to yeah. beat. Yeah, I guess. I'll be
1: preaching next Sunday. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wow. And everybody's clapping. Everybody wants that. It's, we oh. love you,
1: Tim, very much. Oh, okay. um, it's Indiana. <laughs> We're here. so. Um, but, you know, I I had the blessing of going to a Christian school, and I was in kindergarten, and I remember very specifically, you know, my teacher just talking to us about heaven and hell and how there's this man named Jesus, and and I had, you know, heard about God, but that was the moment that I remembered, like, hearing the gospel for the first time. That's
0: extraordinary. It was,
1: it's awesome, you know, being five years old, but sometimes we think kids, like, you know, oh, they don't know. They know.
0: Oh, they (laughs) know. Have you
1: seen your children try to get what they want? Like, my son, he is smart. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They are manipulative and sneaky. And I want you to know
0: Ashley takes advantage of that. She's always asking your kids what things are really like at home. She does that at church. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I think she actually does.
1: <laughs> she might. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was a powerful moment. It really was. Honestly, at that moment, at five years old, like I can remember, you know, throughout the years following, just yeah. having conversations with God. I mean, he was really a part of my life at that young age. That's
0: amazing. So, I mean, at that early of an age in life to say, that's where I encountered Jesus for the first time. And to really have that acknowledgement that he's been there. He's been a part of your life yeah. from your earliest memories. It's a huge that's blessing. Awesome. So that's awesome. So,
1: invest in your kids.
0: Um, Keith, talk to us about your story. Where does your journey with Jesus begin? What's that look like?
2: Well, I too grew up in a, in a Christian home. I uh, grew up in church, went to Christian school. Um, and uh, I remember being nine at the, at the altar and, uh, you know, doing the altar call thing. And, and I'm like, what is going on right now? You know? So, I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't really fully grasp it. Yeah. Uh, in my early 20s, I had really made a mess out of uh, my relationship, which, thank God, we're married now. You know, yeah. but uh, man, she's a trooper. Let me tell you. <laughs> um. No
0: one disagrees with you on that, Keith. <laughs> no one, not one single person. <laughs>
2: uh, no, but uh, I was in a men's conference, uh, Promise Keepers, and I, yeah, I just laid it all out for God and, and uh, asked for forgiveness for all the the garbage that I had created. At that point, I had pushed Jen away, and, and yeah. uh, it was a it was a long road back to that. But um, fast forward, yeah, um, to my 40th birthday, the pre-midlife crisis, we'll call it that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, okay, I'll give that to well, you. Well, I
2: mean, I hope there's not a midlife crisis. Do you I've, think there's another one that's coming?
0: Man, I hope not.
1: name, <laughs> Thank you, Joanna. Hey, Pastor Joanna. Worth, <laughs> Pastor, jo- I see
0: what you did there, Keith, and I don't like it. <laughs> For what it's worth, when I turned 40, I, I will never forget this because I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't think 40 was going to be a big deal for me, but I remember it was, uh, my birthday is October 5th. Just remember that, everyone, October 5th. Uh, just put that in your calendars and do with that what you will. Uh, October 4th, I'm 39 and it's about 11.45 at night. And for whatever reason, it just hit me, in 15 minutes, I'm going to be 40. And I just remember pacing back and forth in my, in my hallway going, I'm only 39 for 40. 15 more minutes. I don't know why that was my thing, but I had like a 15 minute panic attack and then the clock struck midnight and everything was still the same. So I, I survived. That was, that's my midlife crisis.
2: Man, your yeah. path is much easier.
0: I did eat four pints of Ben and Jerry's in that 15 minutes. <laughs> Not true. That was just for fun. That was pastoral embellishment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Keith, I digress. Please proceed. You had a midlife crisis. This is about you, not me. What am I doing? Joanna should be preaching right now.
2: Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, summer of my 40th birthday. um, Well, for those of you that don't know, I guess I have to say this because we used to always make a joke about it. Everybody liked to put me on the spot and say, Keith, what do you do for a living? So I sold alcohol for the last 18 years. Yeah. Um, and I always looked at it not as a negative because I remember when this happened mom and dad were not happy at all. Oh, yeah, we so have mom talked and dad about if you're here too, or if you're yeah. watching I'm sorry for everything. I'm about to say I love you, and I hope that you still love me after this <laughs> But um, they will always love you. I know. We tell that. Thank you pastor. <laughs> Thank you,
1: pastor.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard a story? <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
2: Yeah, so I've been a liquor salesman until June so Um, about my 40th birthday there that summer, I quit spending as much time at home as I should. I got really busy at work. Um, And I don't know what happened or why it happened, uh, but Jen and I quit communicating, and I kind of just pushed her away. Um, Zach was seven-ish, yeah, because my math's shady, (laughs) too. I don't know. Um, I don't have time to figure it out. But... uh, I'm not going to say community. That just popped in my head. So, we—I uh, would spend more time at work, and, and uh, you know, Jen, she's a trooper. Like I said, um, I don't know how she stuck it out. But what ended up happening is um, I went down for a uh, a uh, meeting, and I had started drinking, um, obviously too much, but. Uh, I just didn't want to be at home, I wanted to be numb when I was there because I didn't want to have those conversations with Jim because I didn't know what was wrong, so I didn't have an answer. So my solution to that was, you know, let's self-medicate and, no. and uh, disappear and go to bed. Um, and uh, I went down for a meeting and went out with a, a brand manager on a Thursday night, um, came home drunk, went to the sales meeting on Friday morning, drunk. Drank all day, went to an event, continued to drink. And I remember the last thing that evening after my friends had picked me up and I spent the night down in Indianapolis, I had to be back here for an upward football game um, for Zach. at about, I think it was about 10.30. So I had to get up early. And I remember laying on the floor just sobbing uh, uncontrollably and my, my friend standing over me uh, asking me what, you know, what he could do because he felt so helpless. Um, you know, who's this blabbering idiot on the floor? Um, and all I can say is, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just know I don't want to go home because I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. Um, and I, when I woke up in the morning, obviously I realized, you know, this, this has to stop. You know, I, I knew I was not in the spot I needed to be. You know, here I am involved at church uh, with the youth, and I didn't really want to be here on Wednesday nights because I felt, I felt like there was a problem And I didn't want them to see that. But I also was too proud to tell you exactly what the problem was. Um, And uh, that drive home, you know, God and I had it out for a couple hours. And I just, like, you know, I know I'm not right. But I don't know how to fix it. Because I feel like I've gone so far that my wife's not going to forgive me. My kid's not going to forgive me. My parents aren't going to forgive me. You know, there's all these things that just feed into that, and it just wants to build this barrier and, and keep you away from what you really need to do. And, uh, I mean, it was a path. It, it was a journey a couple yeah. of years long to get through those,
0: that. Keith, those are those moments of surrender. And I want to thank you for sharing that because I know it's not easy to share. Um, but those are those moments of surrender that are beautiful, that are life-changing. And, I mean, you've expressed a lot of things there where you... You couldn't face the problem because you're just dealing with all of this regret and shame and guilt. And I think that kind of leans into your story, Joanna. I know your story as well. You had that same type of moment of surrender in your life where you wanted to do what Jesus wanted you to do. But you also had a realization later on in life when your faith became real that speaks to the grace that God has for us. Where I don't have to be... uh, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to uh, live up to this standard that's impossible and try to earn it, you know, and and fear God's judgment and wrath. It's, I'm a child of God. Yeah. And he gives me the strength to overcome. He loves me just the way I am. Mm -hmm. He meets me where I'm at. And then he helps me become more like him. And that takes all the pressure off of everything. I mean, you had that realization in that moment of surrender. What what did that realization look like to you? How old were you when that happened?
1: That, um, probably shortly after Carrie and I got married, we... um, You know, I had had been doing ministry for a while, and uh, we both love the Lord. We were excited about getting married, living our lives for the Lord, and seeing what God had for us. Um, But we started developing some good habits and we started reading the word on our own you know right. we had grown up knowing uh the word because of what we had heard at church what we'd heard in devotionals sure but honestly uh we we didn't develop that habit of opening the word up every day and letting the lord speak to us yeah. individually instead of through someone else which is always a blessing pastor tim uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but we developed this good habit right That
0: shows your high <laughs> level of intellect Diana. yes very good yeah.
1: So as we started doing that, you know, I had gotten to this place where I really, uh, I was a, a recording artist, so I was performing, I was speaking and teaching and, and all these things, but it had really become a lot about my performance of what I was doing to earn God's favor, to right. earn his blessing, to earn my right standing with God because I was checking off like all these marks. Sure. And somewhere along the way, it didn't become about relationship with him or even just loving him and letting him love me. It really became about um, being... Who I was supposed to be, because that is what the Bible said, which isn't even fully what the Bible says, because I was reading it, but I didn't, so I didn't know, you know. But when I started read, reading it, we, right. we both just started at the same time. It was such a blessing, giving this revelation of God's love for us, yeah. and that He loved us so much that while we were still sinners, He died for us. So yeah. before we came to Jesus. He loved us in our sin. It doesn't change after we come no. to Him. He still loves us yeah. in our sin. He meets you know? us where we're Exactly. At. And I talked about this in my testimony at CR last week. Celebrate Recovery. It's awesome. There's my plug. <laughs> That's
0: a good commercial yes. for a great ministry.
1: Yeah. It's, it's honestly awesome. It's huge because it helped me work through some of these you know what i ended up developing like a lot of perfectionism and and the world you know accepts that as normal but right. it created just a, a, a lot of spiraling for me and we can talk more about that another time but basically what ended up happening was i started to see that the lord was no longer judging me for my sin yeah. just like he wasn't before i came to him you know but not only that He took my place, right? We talk about that. That's what happened at the cross. He took my place. But now I have his place. And now when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. And not only that, when God looks at me, he not only sees Jesus, but he's given me the same power. I mean, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. And that's pretty awesome. the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's huge. And so it honestly became this huge shift for me that... Uh, it may sound simple but pride is pride right and yeah. death is death like they both create the same end result separation yeah. from god and i had what i had done is i started backing away from the lord because be, before i had this revelation because i felt You know, in my time, the Bible says, "In your time of need, come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy." Yeah. But when we're looking at ourselves instead of looking at Jesus, what ends up happening is is we start to feel shame and guilt, and we start to separate ourselves from that person. You know, it's the reason like
0: trap we fall into.
1: Exactly why kids hide, your dog hides, or like whoever we we all have this like (laughs) this. I'm not comparing this to dogs. That was terrible. Rewind, okay. <laughs> but but we all have this like innate feeling of, of shame when we when we know we're not measuring up, but the Bible says we none of us measure up, right? Yeah. So instead of coming boldly I was hiding. So once I had this revelation that God loved me independently of of what I was doing for him and also that he no longer was judging me for my sin. He was seeing me as he sees Jesus because now I have the place of Jesus. It changed everything. I mean, I now came to God when I needed help. And, um... There's so many areas that I needed help in, you know, and there were so many areas I had pride in, and it just, it changed everything because I began to come to him in my moments of weakness where I wasn't measuring up, where I wasn't perfect, asking him for help and then seeing it manifest in my life and seeing the fruit of it.
0: Yeah, and I think that just kind of summarizes that phrase that we always say here, our mantra, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him, and it's not because of the rules and the regulation, it's that relationship that drives I recognize the price that Jesus paid for me. I confess that he is Lord, and I surrender. And it's in those beautiful moments of surrender where we're able to take those next steps in our faith and fully realize the life that god has called us to and to live into that purpose and that plan that he has for us and so i mean to see each of you on your journey where god has brought you joanna you're helping lead worship here at crossroads now we're so glad to have you part of the team keith you've launched the ninja campus i mean you you're a campus pastor at crossroads we recognize this about keith for years now that god had a call on his life and to to walk through the fight of that and to finally get to that point of surrender Uh, I know that that's been a growth spot for you, and to see how God's using you now, and to take that wild leap of faith. uh, Listen, trust me, I've been there. I ran from that for a long time myself. Um, To experience that, and to realize that, really is powerful. And the experiences that you two have, no one can take that away from you. There's power when you share that with someone because that's what God has done in your life. He, he's brought you from darkness into light, and he's He's shown you who he is, and you're living into that. And so I want to encourage you here today. Your story has power. I think a lot of times we we uh, shy away from sharing our story because we don't think it's that interesting. Like, Joanna, you're like, well, my story is pretty crazy. You know, I encountered Jesus when I was five, you know.
1: <laughs> I was a big, I was a brat. Yeah, I was very
0: that. rebellious. <laughs> once I colored with crayons on the wall. Uh, and it's, yeah, you know, like, I don't have a great story. Mine's kind of similar to that, I accepted Christ. I remember that moment when I was seven, uh, but didn't really fully surrender until it was time to go into ministry. That was when I said, all right, God, this is real, and I hate it, but I'm doing it. But then he called me to ministry in Florida, which was kind of a silver lining. I enjoyed that part of it. And then he brought me back to Elkhart, which is fantastic. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And so... Uh, there's power in your story, though. No matter how you know boring you might think it is, because you have experienced Jesus, you've encountered Him, and He's changing you. And, and people recognize that. People will see that in your lives. Uh, and I just want to thank you guys for being vulnerable with us, for being real, and for sharing your story and your your journey with us. Because there's power in your story. All right. So thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Can we give it up for Keith and Joanna? Just thank them for being a part of this today. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go next because there's so much I want to say. I gotta, I'm not going to lie. I could probably go for another 30, 40 minutes, but I'm not going to do that to you guys today. Here's something I love. In Acts chapter 4, uh, Acts chapter 3 and 4, there's this story that that winds through these two chapters in Scripture. And we've talked about this story at Crossroads before, but Peter and John are walking into Jerusalem. They see a man who was born... Uh, crippled. He had never been able to walk. And he's begging for money on the side of the road. And it says that as as Peter and John are walking by him, he looks at them and says, do you have any money that you could give me? And then he just kind of looks down. And it says that in that moment, Peter, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, says, look at me. Like, hey, let me have your attention. And he says that, he makes this statement that's extraordinary. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, silver and gold, I don't have any. But here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And in that moment, he reaches down his hand, he picks up this guy, and in that moment, God heals him. Miraculously, he is able to walk. He is not only walking, he's jumping, he's leaping, he's praising God. This is a moment that has changed his life in an unbelievable way. And even though God was working in that instance in such a powerful way, and even though people noticed this and were praising God, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they did not like it because attention was being taken away from them, right? So they bring uh, Peter into the, the synagogue. They actually put him in jail for healing someone. And then the next day they question him. And they say, by whose authority and by what power do you do this? And it gives Peter this platform to just share the story. And Peter became so great at this throughout Uh, His missionary career. I mean, recognize that the disciples who followed Jesus around, after Jesus ascended into heaven, every single one of these disciples went on their own missionary journeys and started spreading the good news. I mean, the church is alive worldwide today because of what these early leaders and followers of Christ did. They went out and shared the good news because what they had seen, what they had experienced was so extraordinary that they could not keep it to themselves. And what you realize when you share your story of what God has done, that story has purpose. It's to connect people with Jesus. When Peter gets in front of all these people, all the religious leaders, he says to them in no uncertain terms in Acts 4.12, he says, there is no other name under, under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It is the power of Jesus that gives us hope, that gives us freedom, that helps us walk in forgiveness. This is the name this is the power, this is the authority by which we are doing all of these things. And so when you realize that your story points people to Jesus, I don't, I don't want you to minimize the reality that your story has purpose. Your story gets used by God to connect people to him. Don't don't ever undersell that part of who you are and the power of your story, because there's purpose, but then there's power. He's saying, you guys, you've seen what happened. You've seen, you've witnessed it with your own eyes, what God's power did, how it changed this man's life. I've witnessed it. I saw, I walked with Jesus, and I saw everything that he could do. The people were baffled by how Peter was speaking in that moment, the power that he had, the way that he talked with courage. they recognized that these guys were ordinary men, and it says they were ordinary men that they recognized who had been with Jesus. Isn't that a powerful statement? They looked at Peter, they looked at James and John, the disciples of Jesus, and they just said, "These are, these are ordinary guys. How do they do this? What power they What authority do they have? They've been with Jesus." And that changes everything. When you tell your story, it has purpose. It's connecting people with Jesus, but it has power because people recognize the change that walking with Jesus and having Him transform your life brings into your life. And when when Peter gets done telling the story to Acts chapter four, all these religious leaders they say, "Listen, you know, cool story, bro. That's that's a paraphrase. That's Tim Fisher version. Cool story, bro. Now just stop telling it because we don't want anybody else to know about this." And Peter says. I can't stop telling this story. In fact, there's no way I'm not going to tell this story. I can't obey you. I'm going to obey God. He has done this incredible thing. He's told me to go and share the good news. That is what I'm going to do. And what we realize is your story, while it has purpose, while it has power, it also has passion because it's your story. It's how you encountered Jesus. It's how he has changed your life. And I just want to encourage you today to be intentional in sharing your story because it is life-changing. People will listen to your story and it will help them get a picture, a snapshot of who God is and how he has changed your life. I just want to close today by asking, who in your life needs to hear your story? Don't, don't hold back. Your story has power. Who is it that God's bringing to your mind that needs to hear what what he's done in your life? As as you think about that name and and, and think about and picture that person, I would ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close today. I want to ask you a couple things. I want to ask you something. When thinking about the person in your life who needs to hear your story, I'm going to ask you to do something today. Would you be willing to pray a high-risk prayer? Would you be willing to pray that prayer that says, Jesus, bring that person into my life. Create a moment where I can share my story where I can fulfill this mission that you've given me to connect someone to you. Pray that high risk prayer for that awkward moment that you've been shying away from and pray for that moment for you to be able to share your story. There's someone who needs to hear it in your life today. How about this? Ask God to put someone in your path who you can share your story with. Ask him to keep your heart open to recognize that opportunity. Maybe even make a list of people in your life that you recognize they just need to experience the hope of Jesus and you're gonna take any opportunity you get to share the story of what God has done with them. At the end of the day, it's the habit of telling your story. Don't be ashamed of what God has done in your life. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. That's a challenge we see that Peter gives us in 1 Peter 3:15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. Let's be prepared to tell our story. Let's fulfill this mission that God has given us. Let's be part of this journey that changes lives. Jesus, we're so thankful today for who you are and what you've done for us, the incredible love that you have for us, the reality that while we were still your enemies, while we were far away from you, while we were just sinners, you still considered us friends. You still decided to lay yourself down on that cross and pay the penalty, pay the price that we could not pay. Jesus, we thank you for that today. That is the greatest love story. It's the most powerful story ever ever known to mankind. God, help us to be bold, to be courageous, to be willing to share the, the good news with people in our lives that are desperate for your hope. Help us to be willing to tell our story, the story of how we encountered you and how you changed us. We thank you, Jesus, for your love, and we look forward with great anticipation to how you're going to use us to connect people with you. We love you and we praise you today, and we pray this in your name. Amen.